Okay, what I'm going to do this morning is, is that I'm going to um, preach uh, a message that I spoke last week at, at Life. Um, and um, the, the reason that I kind of um, wanted to speak this both here and both on the Wirral is because I believe that there is something happening at the moment in Christendom right across the country, right across actually the world where church is once again beginning to realize who they are and the power that they have. And I think, <coughs> excuse me, it's important that each one of us understand that we have a role and a part to play in building his church. Uh, you'll have heard me say this before because I've said it quite a few times when I've been here, is that the, the church of Jesus Christ is, <coughs> excuse me, is an amazing thing. Can you just open that for me? is an amazing thing because it's made up of weird and wonderful people and you only have to look at the person next to you to realize that it's made up of weird and wonderful people. That the church of Jesus Christ, yeah, now you're all looking, going, yeah, you are right, actually, Aaron, they are weird. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really important that we understand that we are the hands and feet of Christ. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, that actually each one of us in this room and right across the world, people that are, belong to the church of Jesus Christ that believe he died on a cross, rose again, and he's coming back for his bride, actually are included in this incredible message that we have a story to tell of the greatness of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. You see, nobody can take away from you what God has done in your life. Nobody can take that away is that we can, we can all experience um, um, a, another person's story and we can have empathy for somebody else's story. But actually, the real crux of the matter is, is that when we have an understanding of what God has done in your life, what God has done in you and through you that nobody else can take away. That's why in Revelation where it says, you, don't, you shall defeat him, who's him, the enemy, Satan, whoever you want to call him. You shall defeat him, what? By the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus when he died on the cross. Also by the word of your testimony. That's why your testimony is so important. My testimony is very different to John's testimony. It's very different to Gary's testimony. And let me tell you this, is that your testimony is very different to the person that you're sitting next to. Just because I'm married to my wife, Rachel, her testimony is very different to mine. And we all have our own story to tell of the good news of who Jesus is. So what I want to do this morning is, is that, as I say, I want to share with you something that I shared last week. And I believe that it is for us here in Lytham and for our church over on the Wirral as well. And it is, uh, I've entitled this message, There is More to the Story. There is more to the story. If you've got your Bibles, it will come up on the screen. If you can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to read the first uh, eight verses, I think it is, and then we will jump in to what I want to say. It says this. It says, uh, oh, that's, that's, that's verse 5. Can we go back to the beginning? Or did we, is it, does it start there? Does it? No, it should go back to, leave it there, and we'll come up to that one in a minute. There should be another one. Uh, it says this. So they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, 
a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the cemetery to meet them. And this man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he put his chains, uh, when, whenever, sorry, he was put into chains and shackles as he was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves in the, in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Verse 6 of Mark chapter 5. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? We'll stop there for a second. Isn't it interesting that he'd never met Jesus before, but he knew who Jesus was? That's interesting. Uh, with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit so here we have the beginnings of a an account where Jesus was there and Jesus was coming along and a man who was uh, controlled by some kind of spirit we don't know what kind of spirit it was but we do know that there was more than one in him and they are there and he begins to converse actually not with the man but with the spirit you see, there's always more to the story. I've just kind of, uh, before, I, I should have done this really before I arrived here this morning. But I just had a very, very brief chat to kind of look at the brief history of this church. This church was started in about 1924. And uh, some of the pastors that have been here before I was here and before John was here are uh, Alan, and, uh, Alan, Alan Gardner. Yeah, Alan Gardner, then Alan Hocking, then Mario and Roz, then Jill and Steve were here. And now it's down to me uh, with, uh, with John and with Ruth to lead this assembly. You see, the thing with it is this, is that when this church was birthed, I believe that I don't know the people that started the church. I've never met them. Uh, but I do know this, is that they had you in mind when they started this church. Think about it is that when this church was established, they believed that this place would be filled with people who knew Jesus and didn't know Jesus, and they had you in mind when they, when they, when they built this place. They didn't know that in 2019, there'd be a group of people still here, still worshipping Jesus. Why? Because this building was built for the glory of God. Why? There's more to this story. And for each one of us, there is more to the story than you already know. You know, you can think you know your story, but actually you have to own it. You have to own what God has given to you. You know, me uh, growing up, some of my story, and some of you will know this, is that I was born very fortunately into a Christian home. And uh, I've never really kind of gone through some of the pain that other people have gone through within family life. My parents um, still love each other. Well, I think they definitely love each other and uh, and you know they, they've they've I've watched them cry together I've watched them laugh together and they I'm sure that my uh, my dad would say I don't know about my mom but my dad would say he's more in love with my mom now than he's ever been and uh, and they just love each other 
And, you know, and then, and then kind of I came along in 1977. That makes me 24 again. And uh, 42 this year. And, uh, and then my sister came along two years later, Heidi, uh, named after the, 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 the teleprogram because my mum loved it. Da, 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 da. And, uh, and then 10 years later after that, the surprise came along in Bethany. And, uh, and Bethany now lives in Australia. And uh, she has two kids, uh, Finn and Sebi. And, uh, and they are coming over in a couple of weeks' time. And we're all going to Crete together. And it will be the first time that we've all been together in three and a half years. So it's going to be an amazing time to all be together. And I grew up in church, and then for a period of time I left church, and I kind of went off and did my own thing, and uh, I'm not going to lie, quite enjoyed it, um, but I knew it wasn't God's best for me, and then after a series of events, kind of came back to God. But all that time, God knew, and God had a plan and a purpose for my life. Why? Because there's more to my story. And I don't know about you, and I don't know where you are at. Maybe at the moment there is stuff going on in your life, and you think, well, this is it. This is all I have. And, and kind of, you know, it, the, the, the saying at the moment is, it is what it is. I hear so many people using that phrase, well, it is what it is. But I believe that actually it is not it is what it is, but actually there can be more to your story. You can push further into God, and actually God can take you to a greater place than ever you have even imagined. Why? Because I believe there's more for your story. And I don't actually just believe it. I know it. And I believe that God believes that there's more to your story. But actually the onus is not on God. So often we put so much on God. And actually it isn't about God. God has done what he said he would do. It's up to us to step in to what God has for us and say, Okay then God, I'm ready to be used by you. God did what he, what he wanted to do on the cross 2,000 years ago. Actually, the story with Jesus is still not complete now. There's more to the story with Jesus. Jesus died and rose again and went back to heaven, but that is not the end of the story. That is not the end of the story. And for each one of us, there is more to your story. And the church started here in 1924, but he had it, when they built this church, they had it with you in mind. So often in today's society, what we do is, is that we take a snap and that becomes the story. This is not about a snap and then that is your story. Every time, so often now with social media, we can take a picture of an event in time and as soon as the picture is taken, it is out of date, it's gone. And what happens now is, is that we are living in, a, in, in an atmosphere and we are living in a society that is actually never looking forward but always looking back. Think about it. Every time you go onto social media, every time you go onto Facebook, every time you, you go onto Instagram or Snapchat or whatever you are doing, you are looking at a moment in time that has already passed. And so often what can happen is, is that we base our stories, we base our perception on one particular picture and our whole idea is based around that one picture. Church is brilliant for it. Oh, church is amazing. Some of you, I'm sure, will follow different churches or different pastors. And, uh, and you can, if you take the angle of a picture, you know, at a, a, a certain angle, you can make a building look packed. 
Oh, it's true. I know, because I used to do it. This is, I'm, not, I'm being totally honest with you. I want to be totally honest. Uh, you, you could, because the thing with it is, is that in every single leader, let me tell you, there is something of, we want, we, want, we want to project something, like us all, where we're doing well. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think where it becomes a little bit skew if is where we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, not telling the whole truth, really. And so often what happens is, is that we look at these pictures or we might look at something and, and it, it is a moment in, and it looks so perfect. You know, I remember uh, yesterday at the, um, at the brunch, I kind of was there, uh, very odd, being in, in, a, in a building full of women and there's only about, you know, 12 or 13 fellas in there. Very odd. Felt very intimidated the whole time I was there and I hid for most of it. And, uh, and something, that, that, um, something that, that Sarah said yesterday, and it so resonated with me, knowing that I was going to be preaching here this morning, is that she was talking about the fact of, is that you can take a picture, and it can look so picture perfect, and then you can, it can be sent out, and everyone goes, oh, they, their lives must be amazing. It just it looks so beautiful. Oh, it just looks, and, I, and, and I've, we've done it together, me, uh, my wife, and my son, where we've got together and we've, we've taken a picture. And I have to say, even I'm like, man alive, I look pretty good there. You know what I mean? And, and it takes a lot for me to look good, let me tell you. The light has to be really good because most of the time it's reflecting, you know, off my cue ball of a head. And, uh, but, but I'm like, but they don't know what it's, you know, we, we've been arguing beforehand, just before the picture is taken. And not everything is picture perfect. My son Zeke has got his finger up his nose or his mum's nose or my nose. I don't know. Or in me or something. Uh, but in a moment in time, we can look at something and we can create something that actually isn't reality. And we can live in this whole area of perceiving something. And we want people to perceive something that isn't necessarily true. This place here should be the most amazing place where you can come in. Where whether you feel on a mountaintop and things are going great. Or whether you're in a valley and things are not going so great. You can come in and we can be real and we can be open with each other. Uh, and say, hey, do you know what? How are you doing? This is the best Christian answer in the world. And some of you have already said it this morning. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm, f- I'm fine. What does fine mean? Fine means nothing. Think about it. It doesn't mean happy. It doesn't mean sad. It just means there. You know, fine is, you know, fine is nothing. And I, I want us to get to the point, and I want to be in relationships with people where we can talk to people and go, hey, Joe, how are you doing? You go, actually, I'm having a really rubbish week this week, and I really appreciate somebody to pray for me. Why? Because actually, we don't want to live in that state of fineness. We want to live in a state of being real. Why? Because there is more to the story. There's more to what God has for us. And in this particular story in the Bible, in Mark chapter 5, you have a guy who was there who actually, because of what was going on internally, he'd been written off by everybody. And actually, people with good intentions had tried to help, but because because of what was going on internally, he wasn't listening to the people that were actually trying to help him, and he was able to break free. You know... There's a, there's a horrible scripture in the Bible 
And it says this, that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Has anyone ever heard that scripture? There's a couple of scriptures in the Bible that really get, you know, really kind of, and that's one of them. Because the thing with it is, is that when you have people, real friends that can come alongside you and go, do you know what, John, you missed the mark there. You didn't get that right. And they're not doing it from a place of trying to get one over on you. They're actually trying to help you. Why? Because they love you and they want the very best for you. Everybody should have friends like that. I believe it. Everybody should have friends like that. I've got people in my world, and it's not everybody, but I've got certain people in my world that can speak into my life and they tell me when I'm not hitting the mark. And I know for a fact they're doing it because they love me. My board is a great example. The board here are amazing, by the way. My board at, at, at Life, Man Alive, sometimes we will get in a room together and, and there are some really strong, strong discussions that happen. Why? Because we want to push each other forward. We want to push the church forward. We want everything that God has got for us. And they are some really robust conversations. And at the end of it, we all pray together. We love each other. And we walk out of the room knowing that actually that everyone is for us. That we're all for each other. That we love each other. Why? Because, because that, I believe, is how we build healthy church. Because there's more to our story. And there's more to your story. And so here we have a guy who is there and we take a snap picture of what is going on with those first eight verses and it is a man who has internal pain, who has something going on on the inside that is not right and we look at it and we go, well that is it, it's a write-off. That guy's going to be like that for the rest of his life. And actually the people that were around him who had good intentions, why? The good intentions were they were trying to shackle him. Why? So he didn't hurt himself. Interesting. Interesting that sometimes people can come alongside you and you feel like you're being shackled, but actually they're doing it because they love you. And so often we don't like shackles. We don't like to be restricted. We want to be free. But I believe that they're in the Christian world and in, and in Christendom, do you know what? It's not bad to have shackles. You're going to go, well, that's totally against what the Bible says. Let me tell you, there's certain things that people in this room will not do. Why? Because they're Christian. Because they believe in, in God. It isn't a shackle. Actually, having those parameters, having that stuff in your life actually liberates you. It doesn't shackle you. And so often... These, the, we look at this picture and we see this man and he is there and he is bound and he is cutting himself and what is going on internally is actually being expressed outwardly. How many times have we seen people where they have inner turmoil and actually the countenance on their face actually portrays what is going on on the inside? I've seen it so many times where you see people that have something going on on the inside and it hurts them and it's not good and it, it, maybe, maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's something that's going on in their world with their job. I don't know and, and, and something has set in. Maybe depression, I don't know. But it, what it does, it actually manifests itself. What is happening on the inside is actually manifested in an outward expression. 
I'm sure, Alicia, in, in, in prison, you've seen it. Not that you, by the way, Alicia, I'm just, let me just qualify that. For, just thought that. Alicia is not a prisoner. She has not escaped. She works in a prison. <laughs> just qualify that. Take that bit out of the podcast. <laughs> just have, have it. Alicia went in prison. No, that's wrong. But you see it so often. And here we have a man who inwardly is tormented and is outwardly hurting himself. On a side note, interestingly, the enemy will always get you where it hurts the most. We talk about perception and one of the best ways that the enemy will get you is by your vision first. Interestingly, when, when Samson uh, was, had his hair cut and it says that he was then captured and it says that he was bound. And then it says this, interestingly in the Bible, it says that they gouged out his eyes. He lost his vision. Not just spiritually, but physically as well. Why? Because it then says they set him grinding on a mill, just going round and round in circles. It's an incredible picture of when your vision has diminished and gone, what happens to you. You go round and round in circles. And the enemy always comes in and he will hit you at the, uh, where it hurts the most. Now, listen to me for a second. Is that one of the best ways and one of the greatest ways that the enemy will get to a person, I believe, and I've seen it happen, is through money. I totally, and nobody will stop me believing this, so we can, we could, well not argue, but we can robustly talk about it till the cows come home, and then you will realize that I am right, is that, is that I believe that tithing is not for the few, it's for everyone. That giving into the local house is a biblical principle. It's, it, it, I totally believe it. And if you're not tithing, I believe it's something that you can start to do. You see, the thing with it is this, is that with tithing, everyone thinks, well, you know, my money and I'm giving it. No, let me tell you, it's all God's anyway. God's blessed you with what you have. And, 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 and it's something amazing about when we give to God. And one of the best ways that the enemy will use is to, is to get to people through their money. And in this story, it's exactly what he does. Because the enemy speaks through the man and says, actually, send me into where? The pigs. Who were the pigs? Well, the pigs were the pigs, but they were the, li they were the livelihood of the people that were in the village at that time. They were, that helped feed the people. That helped, the, the money that they got helped feed the people. It was a way of making money. And the enemy went into the pigs, and then the pigs went over a cliff. And ultimately, the enemy knew that if, they got, if, he, got, uh, uh, if he got into the way that they can make money, it would get rid of Jesus. Why? Because what's the most important things to people is that they have money in their pockets. That they have some kind of way to, to, to feed themselves. And exactly what happens is, is that Jesus comes in. The people get annoyed. Why? Because their livelihood has gone. And they say, Jesus, get him out of here. Something interesting happens. Why? Because there's always more to the story. Is that if we jump down to verse 17 of Mark chapter 5. Hopefully it will come up on the screens. It says this. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. That is directly after the pigs have jumped off the cliff. 
And then it says this, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Let me tell you this, church, is that when you come into contact with Jesus, you're never the same again. Just me and maybe Gary, who said a very quiet amen there. When you come into contact with Jesus, you are never the same again. Amen? That's why I said at the beginning is that your testimony is so powerful. Because... When Jesus comes into your life, something happens inside of you that is never the same again. That you come into contact with with somebody that loves you unconditionally and there's something that happens on the inside that changes you, not just for a moment, but for a lifetime. Last week, I was at home and, uh, and I went out quite late to walk the dog. I have a dog, his name is Buster, and I hate him. Anyway, we won't go there. God is dealing with me with this whole thing with regards to my dog. Uh, he is a, uh, he's a golden doodle, all right? Oh, and everyone, a lot, some of them are going, oh, golden doodles. They're a pain. Don't get one, all right? Uh, he looks cute, and when you go out walking with him, everyone thinks he's lovely, but let me tell you, he, yeah. anyway, we won't go there. And I went out walking with Buster, my mate, he was the only one that doesn't backchat me, by the way. And, uh, and even then, he sometimes woofs at me. And uh, we're going around the field, and I was praying. I was praying about, it was last Saturday, I was praying about the meeting at church last Sunday morning at Life. And I was just out there, and, you know, we were walking around the, the, this field. And, uh, and then I went back home, went back to, to where we are living. And um, uh, we, me and my wife, have just bought a... Uh, uh, a, uh, a brand new house. Uh, it, it's quite interesting. It's a miracle within itself. And people look at it and they go, wow, you, you've got a brand new... We rented for 11 years and never thought we'd get on the property ladder. And God has just amazingly opened the door. And now we're living in a four-bedroom detached house on a brand new estate. And it's just amazing. And God's been so faithful to us. Um, because why? There's always more to the story. Anyway, we won't go there. That's another story within itself. And I went back and we're living on this new estate. And everybody on this new estate, everybody's getting to know each other because it's brand new. And, you know, the opening conversation that you have with somebody isn't, oh, hi, how you doing? And they always go, fine. What they say to you is, the the opening question is on a new estate is, oh, have you had your snag list sorted yet? That's how you start a conversation. That's how you start a conversation on a brand new estate. Is your snag list sorted yet? So I came out and I was, uh, sorry, I I was going into my house with my dog. And my next door neighbor came out and uh, he came out and he, he'd been, um, it was quite a warm day last weekend and he'd been in Anglesey and he was sunburned, he was red, he was absolutely red raw and he comes out and uh, he says, oh hi Aaron and I went, oh hi and he goes, uh, I said, oh have you had your snag list sorted yet? And that's how you start a conversation on the new estate and he goes, oh no, have you had yours sorted yet? Oh, no, 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 I've got a couple more things to do and, um, and then uh, we just started talking and I asked him how his day had gone. And uh, then he said to me this, he says, oh, he says, now one of the other guys on the estate, right, I I kid you not, has built a pub in his house, in his garage. It's the first thing he did, he built a pub. 
right? Amazing, right? So he says, oh, and he's called it the, uh, what's it called? The blind bull. That's what the pub is called, the blind bull. So this, this, ne- this neighbor said, oh, I'm going to the blind bull. Do you want to come with me? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I, I said to him, I've got to work tomorrow. He goes, oh, working on a Sunday. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, what do you do? Well, there you go. <laughs> there is a conversation starter. It's amazing when you're sitting on a plane, uh, as, I, as I often do, and somebody will say, oh, what do you do? And then, you know, they, you, you always give them five guesses. And this is what I did, and it might be wrong or it might be right. Uh, please don't judge me, but this is how I do it, right? So I said to my next-door neighbor, I said, look, I said, if you, right, can guess what I do for a job, right? I said, I will take you, not to the blind bull, but I'll take you to uh, a pub nearby. I said, and I will buy you drinks all night for yourself. I said, I'll take you now. I said, let's go. I'm on a safe bet. You sh- I know you shouldn't bet. It was more of a conversation starter. <laughs> all right, you understand? You understand? So, uh, so he started to guess, and he went, oh, are you in IT? Well, hmm. Obviously look intelligent, <laughs> IT. And then he, 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 said, uh, he said, are you... Uh, are you, um, in t- are you in the army? Are you in the army? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and he, he said a couple more things. can't remember what they were. So in the end, he couldn't do it. He says, oh, no, no, tell me what you do. So I looked at him, and I just went, I'm a vicar. Anyway, no, no. And then he, he actually told me to get lost. All right? He went, off. And I went, no, no, I'm not going to off. And uh, he couldn't believe it. He was amazed. And then he said these words to me. He says, oh, he says, I used to go to church. He says, it's something I've, always, you know, I've wanted to get back into. You see, when you encounter Jesus, something changes. And I started to have this conversation with my next door neighbor. He's at church this morning. He's at my church this morning. First time in. He's gone, he's gone to church this morning. Why? Because sometimes you can encounter Jesus many years beforehand, but sometimes something happens, an event may happen where you run into a vicar that looks a little bit like Harry Hill. (laughs) And something happens on the inside, and you go, do you know what? I remember. I remember who Jesus is. Why? Because when you encounter Jesus, even though you might go away, he never, ever leaves you. He never forsakes you. And he's always there with you. Why? Because there's always more to the story. I don't know what's going to happen this morning. I don't know whether he's going to rededicate his life to Jesus. I don't know whether anything's going to happen. But I do know that if you put somebody in an environment where Jesus is, let me tell you, the potential is endless. That something can happen. Because there's more to the story. And here we have the story of a man who was possessed, whatever you want to say, There was something going on on the inside where the enemy had got in. And then he encounters Jesus and something changes within him. And then Jesus says, right at the very end, he says, go home and tell your family. He didn't go home. He disobeyed God. Disobeyed Jesus. Because it says that he went to the ten towns around. He actually became a missionary and began to evangelize and tell people about Jesus. Because when you encounter the presence and the person and the power of God through his son Jesus, let me tell you, something changes and you've just got to speak it out. 
You've got to begin to gossip the kingdom. You've got to begin to tell people about who Jesus is. And this man, he went from mad to missionary. He went from mad to missionary. Why? Because of one encounter with the living God. Because there's always more to the story. He'd been written off by so many people. And maybe you this morning, you look at your circumstance and you think, do you know what? This is it. It is what it is. This is my life. This is what I've been dealt with. These are the cards I've been dealt, so this is it. You're a Christian and you believe in God. You love God. You've been in church this morning. You maybe have had your hands in the air and you say, yes. Do you know what, God? I love you. But you're going to walk out of those doors and nothing will change. And you'll be back next week and everything will be the same again. You'll come in, you'll talk to people and they'll say, hey, how are you, Gary? And you'll go, on fine. And you'll raise your hands in worship to God. And then you'll walk out of here and it will be the same again. Let me tell you, that is not Christian living. That's Christian existence. And God does not want us to exist. He wants us to live. He wants us to actually be a people that don't just do church, but be the church. He just doesn't want us to do love, but he wants us to be love. He wants us to get around people and actually begin to tell them the good news of who Jesus is. Why? Because when they encounter Jesus, let me tell you, something happens on the inside that changes them, not just for a moment, but changes them for a lifetime. But there's more to your story. God has more for you than you could ever possibly imagine. I look back on my life and I think to myself, do you know what? Where would I be now if God hadn't got a hold of me? Where would I be? I don't know. Potentially, I would be married to a girl who doesn't didn't believe in God really. I don't know where I'd be. Probably still living in Devon. Sunning myself at weekends. Not really going to church. But knowing that God loved me. Why? Because God. I always knew that even though when I was away from God. I knew that God loved me. The amount of times I put my head on my pillow at night. Knowing that I was out of the will of God. I can say that now. Because I'm, I believe I'm you know, living as best I can and, and having had an encounter with God but at the time I would never have said that because I was trying to be proud we can have a snapshot of our lives and we can make so many judgments about people but let me tell you this is that for each and every person in this room for this church there's more to the story there is more to the story if this is it if this is it for Hope Church Lytham we might as all pack up and go home this is it. If this is what we do, we come in on a Sunday, have a sing-song together, and then leave. I don't want to be part of a church like that. And I actually don't think God or Jesus wants to be part of a church like that. This is a living, breathing thing where people with different talents and different giftings can come together and share the good news of who Jesus is so when people walk past these doors they don't just walk past them not even thinking but they, they look at this place and they go that is a place of hope not just because it says it above the door but they know it that when people come into this environment that, that it is impregnated with the power of God so when we start and we begin to lift up the name of Jesus that something happens 
Why can't it be that before even the preaching of the word that miracles do break out all over the place? Why can't it be that actually when people come into this environment that something happens on the inside and the conviction of God hits them and they get filled with the Holy Spirit and saved in one instant? Why can't that be the case? There's more to the story. When this church was built in 1924, it had you in mind. When this church was built in 1924, did they ever possibly imagine that in 2019 that this place would be filled with people that are still passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ just as they were when this place was built? I don't know. But I do believe this, is that this place was built to be a light on a hill. This place was built so that people in this area... People in the surrounding villages and towns around here could experience something of the good news of who Jesus is because there's more to the story. There is more to the story. Hey, can we stand together? I wonder whether we could just get the keys up for a second. Ah, oh, great, thanks. Our time is almost gone. But I want us to pray this morning. There was a real sense of the presence of God during the worship this morning. We sang that song before, I Raise a Hallelujah. And uh, the word hallelujah just means this. It means God be praised. That's what the word hallelujah means. So when we sing, I raise a hallelujah, all we're singing is, I raise, God, you be praised. God, you be praised over every situation. You be praised over every circumstance. You be praised over my family. You be praised over my relationships. You be praised over my job. You be praised over everything that I do. I'm raising a God be praised to you. That's what we're singing. And then it goes on to talk about the fact of is that we can use worship as a weapon. You know, I think that there is something incredible when men and women of God begin to worship God even when they don't feel like it. I'll let you into a secret for a second. I am the lead pastor here. I am also the pastor of Life Church. Sometimes I don't feel like coming to church. Now you might go, well, that's a disgrace. It's true. It's the reality. But you see, God doesn't look isn't looking for our feelings, he's looking for our convictions. And even when we don't feel like it, let me tell you, God still wants the very best of us. Why? Because he gave the very best of himself for us. And there is something amazing about when we don't feel like worshipping God, that we begin to worship God because I believe it's in those moments when we don't feel like it that God can break in in a greater way. And that's when we use worship as a weapon. Because the enemy doesn't want you to worship. The enemy doesn't want you to worship. If you look right the way through scripture and you look at the children of Israel, in particular in the Old Testament, before they ever went into battle, they always sent in the Levites. Now the Levites were the worshippers. And the thing with it was this, is that half the time the battle was won ever before any man drew his sword. Why? Because the battle was won when they began to worship and praise God. That's why we can use worship as a weapon. 
Because it's so important. The enemy knows that if he can get to the worship, that actually he can get to the person. So we can use worship as a weapon this morning, knowing that God is with us, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Why? Because there's more to your story. You can go out of here this morning, you can have a cup of coffee, then you can go out of those doors at the back, knowing that actually that God is with you in a greater way than he ever has done, and actually he's been with you all the time. But maybe this morning, something of a realization that, you know what, I am a son and a daughter of the Most High God. The Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now when you get actually not just an understanding but a revelation of that, let me tell you, it changes everything. It changes everything. Because you walk around not with an arrogance but you walk around with an authority of knowing who you are in Christ. So you don't need to worry about what tomorrow may bring. Let tomorrow, the Bible says about it, don't worry about tomorrow. Actually, let, let the worries of tomorrow look after themselves. Today, let's worry about today. So I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know who's going to be prime minister. Well, we probably do know who's going to be prime minister in a few weeks. But we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I do know this, is that God is still in control. The Bible says that in the last days, men's hearts will begin to fail them. Let me tell you, it's beginning to happen. It's beginning to happen. And that is why Christians around the world, that's why Christians in Lytham, particularly at Hope Church here in Lytham, need to have an understanding of who they are in Christ. That actually you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. There is more to your story than you ever even realized. That you can leave this place this morning knowing that you are an heir, a son and a daughter of the, of the King of Kings. And you can walk around not with an arrogance, but with an authority to know that when you speak, people will listen. Why? Because there's more to your story. We're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. And Joe, if you'd like to, could you just get ready with that song? We're going to sing I Raise a Hallelujah this morning. And we're going to go out raising a hallelujah of I raise a God be praised this morning. I raise a God be praised. And as we leave, we're going to sing it through. And I want each and every person in this room, if you are a believer here this morning, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what Jesus has done for you, and maybe this morning you've come to church and you're here, you didn't really feel like coming, but hey, you've made the effort. Let me tell you this is that do something that maybe you don't feel like doing and begin to worship God. For some of you this morning, it may mean raising your hands to God for the first time. You know what? When we raise our hands to God, it doesn't mean anything other than, God, I surrender. God, I give you my life. You might say, well, I don't want to raise my hands in worship. Let me tell you. And I don't want to force it. But I'm always reminded about when a couple of years ago I was watching the news and the UN had gone into somewhere, I can't even remember where it was, and they had grains, uh, bags of grain on the back of trucks. And what was happening was is that the guys from the UN were passing over these bags of grain and the people that were on the floor below had their hands up 
holding out their hands. Why? Because they wanted something. What did they want? They wanted what the guys on the truck had. And you watched with desperation as these people held their hands out. Why? Because they wanted something. And maybe this morning you need breakthrough in an area in your life. Maybe there's a relationship. Maybe there's a job issue. Maybe there's a financial issue. I don't know. But I believe that maybe, just maybe, as we begin to praise and worship God before we leave this morning, and we're going to go out on a high saying, I raise a hallelujah, that maybe, just maybe, that God might do something that even before you get home, that something could have shifted. With this, I'm going to close. My time has gone and I don't want to waffle. But my wife's not here and sometimes I waffle when she's not here. There's a story in the Bible about a man by the name of Jonathan. And Jonathan was there and uh, he, it was Jonathan, my mind's gone blank, um, uh, um, David, Saul's son. That's right, isn't it? It was Jonathan. It's all right. Mythology is, I thought mythology was up the wall then for a second, Alicia. That's good. And Jonathan was there and he was with, he was with his servant and they were going to go into battle. And they were on the one side of this hill and they're having a conversation with each other. And basically, Jonathan said, hey, do you know what, right? If this happens, we'll know that God is with us. Or maybe God will help us. And the words are used, maybe, maybe God will be there. But we're going to do it anyway. And sometimes, you know what, church? We just need to go on a maybe. Why? Because we've seen God work in the past. We've seen God do something in the past. And, and it, it's kind of, you know... I don't know whether God's in it, at the, but maybe he will be. And we're going to step out in faith. So this morning as we worship God, let's maybe go out on a maybe of saying, God, you know what? I believe there's more to my story. I believe there's more to what God has for me. And I'm going to worship you this morning. I don't want to be stuck in the it is what it is mode. But I want to move into everything that you have for me. There's more to my story. Just like for that man. His status quo was living in a graveyard, cutting himself with stones because he was tormented. But then he encountered the son of the living God. And something changed within him that made him leave where he was and go and tell people about Jesus because of what Jesus had done for him. Father, we pray that Lord Jesus, as we worship you just for the next two or three minutes, that God, that you truly will inhabit the praises of your people. That God, that you will come down and you will meet people at the point of their need this morning, oh God. Let no man, let no woman leave this place, oh God, not having had an experience with you. And that Lord Jesus, that we will raise a hallelujah to you this morning. That God, that we will bless you. And that, Lord Jesus, that you will do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's begin to sing together. Thank you.